Hey, my name's Hayden Carroll. Welcome to the Faithful Perspective Podcast, a series where we discuss together those key gospel principles that lead to a successful, joyful, and productive life for Latter-day Saints and friends. Before we jump into anything, I want to give you an invitation. Do you know a Latter-day Saint who is passionate about something gospel-related? Do you know somebody who others could benefit from getting inside their head? If you know somebody that I might be able to interview on our Faithful Perspective podcast, please email me their information at faithfulperspectivepodcast at gmail.com. That's faithfulperspectivepodcast at gmail.com. Today, during my conversation with Garrett Turley, we talk about the important topic to Latter-day Saints of discovering truth. What is it? Why is it important? How do we do it? And everything else in between. Please enjoy my conversation with Garrett Turley. Today, I have the opportunity of interviewing Garrett Turley. Garrett, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you, Hayden? Good. Now, for our listeners, Garrett and I have been connected together by blood. We are first cousins. And the reason why I've asked Garrett to come on the podcast today is Garrett and I, over the past, I don't know, five or six years, ever since we got home, both from serving full-time missions, uh, you and I have had some incredible and sometimes fairly, I would consider deep doctrinal talks. And so on that note, before we jump into the, to the real topic today, Garrett, would you just give us a brief introduction about maybe you, your family, your work and church experience, uh, for us, and then we'll get going. Yeah, sounds good. Well, like Hayden said, my name is Garrett Turley been uh the fortunate relative of Hayden sometimes unfortunate for the past uh <laughs> how old are you 20 25 25, 25 years um so we had we had lots of fun growing up um playing swimming doing lots of stuff I was born and raised in uh Mesa Arizona and recently me and my family have moved from Mesa up to uh Utah so that's been a an interesting opening and a new chapter in our lives. Um, but yeah, so born and raised in the church. Let's see. What about some call, mean, my, some callings you've held and maybe a little bit about your mission? Callings, yeah, okay. So um, growing up, you know, just the normal, normal callings in church and deacon's quorum, elder's quorum, or teachers and priest corn and all that stuff had lots of fun with that finally uh got called to an elder was able to serve a mission in uh, spain the malaga spain mission which unfortunately no longer exists it was absorbed into uh, other missions in spain that was quite the experience um and after i got home i was in the Elders Quorum Presidency, Elders Quorum Secretary, and my YSA Award for a little bit, and then I graduated with honors from YSA, so that was that was awesome. <laughs> Good job. Um, and since then, my wife and I have been ward missionaries. We've been Sunday school teachers for the, I believe in our ward it was 16 and up. We didn't have a whole lot of youth, but that was a really fun calling. And most recently, I was the Elders Quorum Secretary in my home ward in Mesa before we, uh, um, before we moved up here, which was, a a very, very fun, fun experience. I, I think that would have to have been my, my favorite calling thus far. 
And currently, hopefully my bishop doesn't listen to this podcast, but currently uh, we don't have callings because we moved up to Utah in the middle of uh, all this craziness that's going on. And uh, church, you know, we're not really going to church right now. So it's just, it's a weird situation to be in. But um, so that's kind of been my church calling history and experience. Um, I've been married to my wife, Ashley, for it'll be four years in September. And we have uh, our son just turned one years old. So that is exciting. Work experience wise, um, let's see. I guess my first real job that I ever had, which I'm kind of proud of, it was it was fun. I got an internship, a summer internship through um one of my aunt's friends at a airplane repair station and so i worked for a couple summers and then up to my mission as an engineering intern helping basically fix airplanes Um, didn't do any of the manual labor myself but got to watch some of the mechanics experience that that was really cool went on my mission came home and right away was able to start working construction with a member in our in our ward and from there moved into uh the restoration industry helping people fix their houses after floods or fires or or what have you did a little bit of uh, roofing in conjunction with that and then we had a baby and the baby got big and uh my (laughs) wife is basically a rocket scientist so rocket science beats out construction work so i am uh i'm a stay-at-home dad right now uh loving it trying to get used to it trying to figure out how to be a stay-at-home dad and uh keep my child alive as he uh matures <laughs> that's an opportunity not all of us fathers are ever gonna have i i think that's actually i think that's awesome it's quite the experience let me tell you <laughs> So with that, and, and that's a good introduction, before we jump into the topic, I do have one more kind of a follow-up question uh, yeah, sure. f- from your raising. And that is, and, and this is going to maybe tie into our topics today, but my really foundational question before we jump in is, what, can you remember the time, and it was probably gradual, but... How would you describe your coming to love the gospel or love learning rather? Because today we're going to talk a little bit about discovering truth. But can you just tell us what, when did that topic become important to you? Hmm. Well, I had, I would call it a unique upbringing. Um, It was definitely different than the majority of my friends at school. And I often uh, was playfully teased that I lived under a rock my entire life. I'm pretty sure you did some of that playful teasing yourself. <laughs> I probably did. Uh, um, <laughs> but my my dad, I'm trying to remember when, when we started. I, I would say that my love of learning, or I guess reading, probably started with Aunt Nan mm. getting me into Harry Potter. So Nan, for listeners, is my dad and Garrett's mom's sister. Yes. Yes. So she she got me into Harry Potter when I was young, and it, it took me a while um, to, to like 
reading and, and get into the story and whatnot. But as soon as I, I basically, once I read the third book, I was, I had a book in my hand almost, almost constantly. And were they mostly um, like fiction fantasy or, or what was the, a lot, a lot of them were, yeah. It was, I mean, Harry Potter, Aragon, um, the, the black cauldron, I can't remember the name of the series, but book of three black cauldron, those books. Um, my dad read, lord of the rings to me as a child growing up which i that's probably been one of my favorite series to to read and reread my wife and i are, are reading it right now we're in the middle of book two the uh the two towers um but just just mostly fiction everything that i could get my hands on and and just turned me into you know that adventurous little boy out in the backyard with a stick fighting orcs and imaginary dragons and, and, and all that sort of stuff. I probably and did. I, mean, di- I probably did do some teasing there then probably, huh? Well, I'm pretty <laughs> sure you, me and Josh, our cousin, Josh family get togethers. Yeah. We, we would get together and play freaking GI Joe in the sandbox. Like, yeah. that Or star Wars or something like we were always playing, playing pretend and, and and having fun and whatnot but um after that my i don't even know when this started but my dad started having us one of our sunday evening activities was to read an article in the encyclopedia and write a report on it wow which kind of sucked at the time and i don't know that many of us enjoyed it um immediately but you know pretty soon we we grew to enjoy it It didn't stick around for, for forever probably six months to a year um but then anytime i had a question after that well we had you know all the encyclopedias right there at our at our fingertips in our in our family bookshelf that we could read and learned a lot of stuff just by going into that um and so that that's kind of where learning i would say started um and then that did that turn would you say that translated into a gospel learning and when when did that start yeah, so, I mean, we were well well taught by our parents, and we had great teachers in, in Sunday school and primary and stuff like that. So the, the knowledge base of the gospel was there. Um, I'd say I kind of absorbed, um, not that I'm like a genius or anything like that, but just reading, learning, all of that stuff, just kind of absorbed the knowledge, didn't necessarily understand it, but it was there in my head, right? And then as i grew older and i had questions and i was able to see how people in the scriptures um dealt with problems or uh, like nephi says likening the scriptures unto ourselves i had several um influencers in in my childhood that repeatedly stated scriptures like that and started me thinking about okay how does this apply to me why why does this matter like Either this is just dumb stuff that my parents are making me do, or you know, there's some there's some merit to this. Mm-hmm. And so I would say that I probably just mostly absorbed knowledge. I, I took pride in in my understanding of the gospel on a intellectual, you know, basis. Um, being able to answer questions in Sunday school and seminary, uh, you know, I I liked being able to do that. I just liked having the answers kind of who I am. Um, not that I have all the answers, but I enjoy it when I do have an answer. Um, but it probably wasn't till my senior year that I realized that 
I, I mean, I had had spiritual experiences up until that, but that was when it really hit. I was in um, academic decathlon my senior year in high school, was pouring all of my life into studying the the 10 different topics that we had there in preparation for competitions and practice tests and all of that stuff. And it was, um, it was pretty stressful for my, you know, senior life that I had at that point, which wasn't very existent because I was a nerd and that's all I was doing, but it was, it was stressful nonetheless at that point in time for me. And, and it was then that I gained a testimony that God like had an interest in me personally because I, and it might sound corny, but I, I would pray for help in studying and I would feel God helping me. And I wasn't the greatest in, in this specific pursuit and I wasn't the most knowledgeable, but I felt God helping me. And it was kind of just interesting because up until that point, I don't think that I really experienced um, or I don't know. It just wasn't in my mind that God cared about high school. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like mm-hmm. God, Jesus, the atonement, like sin, repentance. That that was what God was to me up until that that point in time. And then that in conjunction with uh, gaining my testimony um, of the Book of Mormon and realizing that, oh, wait, this knowledge isn't just knowledge. It's it's truth. It's applicable in more than just Sunday school or, or priest-quorum. Um, it's applicable everywhere. And so I, I would say that is where it really started to take off. I took a very, very keen interest in the gospel um, for multiple reasons. One, I wanted to get married, and I knew that at least the girl I was chasing at that time wouldn't marry me if I didn't go on a mission. So I needed to be prepped to go on a mission. My parents wanted me to go on a mission. There were tons of ulterior motives, but the underlying desire to, to learn about the gospel and apply it to my life uh, was kindled and, and started there. And it's just kind of progressed since then. And what a worthy desire. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I, unfortunately, I don't know if I can say that the majority of even full-time missionaries that go out are motivated because they want to learn about the gospel. I think, unfortunately, there's a lot of culture that goes into, you know, it's an expectation. I guess it's a commandment, and I think that's fair, and that's probably uh-huh. the bottom, bottom line that, you know, lots of youth want to go out because they want to be obedient, which is awesome. But there's a, there's a next level uh, you know, I mean, obviously the greatest level is charity and love for the Savior. That's why we should be doing these things. But on the way to that, there is this level of I really want to, I have a desire to gain knowledge. And that actually, that moves us perfectly into our topic. So basically for listeners, I approached Garrett several days ago and told him about the new podcast and said, hey, I want to have you on. We've had good talks. What do you, what do you want to talk about? And Garrett, you uh, thought about it for a couple of days and you came back to me and you said the topic you wanted to discuss is discovering truth. And you kind of gave us a little bit of intro about how you got into that. But with that understanding for our listeners, can I just let me just turn the time over to you? What can you tell us? What can you teach us about the importance and uh, the relevancy of discovering truth for a Latter-day Saint who may be listening to us right now? Yeah. Um, so maybe we just pick up in the story where we left off thus far. We'll just have this be an auto biography (laughs) by me. Absolutely. Um, 
so going into my mission, I had a lot of expectations. We, we all know what missions are supposed to be like, right? We're supposed to go, you know, we, we've all seen the best two years. We, we show up, we're just a greenie, just like Kirby was or Elder Van Coon or whatever his name was in the movie. Calhoun. We have a little bit of, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we, we have a little bit of trouble in our training. We're trying to get the language right. And then all of a sudden it clicks and then, you know, the rest is, is just amazing. It's the best two years that, you know, we'll never get it back. It's just a spiritual high for, for two straight years. You know, you get fat in the MTC, you gain some weight. These were all things that I wanted to do. I haven't gained a pound since, since high school. Um, so I was, I was really hoping to gain weight in the MTC. It didn't happen. So that, that was the first strike. Um, <laughs> But then throughout my mission, I had various experiences where it was just extremely more difficult than, than what I uh, thought it would be. I, I even remember having conversations with my mission president at times saying, hey, president, this isn't what I signed up for. Like, can you put me somewhere where I can, you know, I can use my talents. I can use this, this knowledge that I've accrued to, to help someone like. I just felt like I was doing nothing. And um, luckily, during that time, I was able to, to study the scriptures extensively, or at least what I felt like was extensively. And I, and I came a lot, uh, across a lot of information um, that, I, that I felt was, was important. And I came a lot across a lot of truths um, that have been important to me since then. Um, but one scripture that has stuck with me since I think I was in, I think it was in, it was either deacons or teachers quorum. And my dad was one of our advisors and made us memorize a bunch of scriptures. And one of them was Proverbs three, five through six. And it says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding and all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. And later after I went through the, uh, the temple, um, and on my mission, I wasn't able to attend the temple. So often I would just kind of run through the entire temple ceremony in my head and re repeat as much of the, um, the con or the conversation that happens between Adam and God and, and all of that stuff, um, in my head. And, and these next two verses begin to, to stick out to me. And they say, be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. And then this verse specifically, verse 8, it shall be help to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. Um, which to me, because of, you know, going through the temple and the knowledge that we have there, um, help to thy navel and marrow to thy, to thy bones is kind of a, an indicator to me of, it, of the ultimate blessing of exaltation of, um, you know, being with God again. And so just working off of those scriptures, is kind of a it's interesting and it's difficult to me at the same time we're supposed to trust in god and not lean into our own understanding um and we're not supposed to be wise in our own eyes and we're supposed to fear the lord depart from evil what does it have to do with truth basically and sorry my thoughts are all over the place i've been thinking about this for the past uh several days as you said um but for the most part, it comes down to this. God has created us as, as Elder Bednar would like to say, agents to act, right? We're, 
for agents to act, not to be acted upon. Um, and one of, I feel like one of our great purposes here on this earth is to obtain as much knowledge or, or truth as we possibly can. Um, and how do we do that? We have to rely on God. That's what it all comes down to. Um, and that's what these scriptures mean to me more than anything, is that as we seek for truth, it's like, you know, Joseph Smith. He had a question. And the answer to his question he found in the scriptures, and, and the answer was, hey, just pray about it and ask God. Um, and ultimately, that's what it comes down to. I was, as I was thinking about this topic, I turned to my favorite book in the scriptures, um, the Bible Dictionary. Um, actually, this is actually the, the guide to the scriptures. And under the definition of truth, it says, it quotes Doctrine and Covenants 93.24, knowledge, truth is, knowledge of things as they are and as they were and as they are to come. Truth also refers to light and revelation from heaven. And so based on that scripture and this definition from the Bible Dictionary, I would just say that truth is knowledge that we obtain through heavenly means during this life. There's a scripture that these, you know, we, you and I could sit here for hours and there are so many scriptures that uh, refer to truth, which is the savior, but refer to how we gain it. What's the purpose of it? There's one other scripture I want to get your opinion on. And let me make sure I have the right one. It's DNC 50. And let me make sure, let me find the right. Uh, okay, here it is. So it's DNC 50, verse 24. And I, I want to read it, and I just want to ask your opinion on what does that have to do with what you're talking about right now? DNC 50, 24 says, That which is of God is light. And he that receiveth light and continueth in God receiveth more light. And that light groweth brighter and brighter until the perfect day. And again, verily I say unto you, I say that ye may know the truth and that ye may chase darkness from among you. So we're talking about truth. We're talking about light. We're talking about darkness. What, what's your feeling on that? How does that apply to, to what you're saying right now? Yeah. So the first thing that sticks out to me is in verse 24, it says that he that receiveth light continueth and God receiveth more light. As I was contemplating and reading and studying up on the topic of truth, um, I kept coming across this concept that as we are obedient to God's commandments, and I could find an exact scripture for you if you want, but I'll just summarize. Uh, as we're obedient to God's commandments, we receive more light we receive more truth and we receive more knowledge um and there's this there's this idea and we, we've talked about this several times in the past that as you as you receive responsibility and you fulfill that responsibility then you receive more responsibility and, and more responsibility and that, and that doesn't necessarily mean callings um, a lot of it, I think, is on a personal level. And as you receive more light and knowledge from God, and he expects more from you, and he asks more of you, and 
I think part of that, just like, you know, when I was a little kid and I read Harry Potter and I thought it was the coolest thing, what did I want to do? I wanted to read more Harry Potter. And I read all the books multiple times. I read the whole entire series every single time before the next book came out. And that's what I think at the end of the day, the gospel and, and light um, can be for us. Not saying that it is for me every single day, but there are days where I can't get enough of of the scriptures, of, of the spirit teaching me things. So Garrett, can I ask you a follow-up question there? Sure. What, what do you, what do you, what counsel, what advice do you give to somebody who's maybe listening to this conversation right now, who's having a hard time feeling engaged with the scriptures? And I say the scriptures because that's really, I mean, in connection with general conference and, you know, other church publications, that's kind of the source of truth, right? And besides personal revelation, but uh, what do you tell somebody who maybe hasn't been intrigued or hasn't been motivated to study their scriptures for days, weeks, months, or maybe even years? What what advice? How do we how do we get ourselves going when we're in a rut? When we feel like the scriptures are bland, or boring, or too difficult to understand? How do you get someone started? on this path because you're talking about you read Harry Potter and you love to read Harry Potter. You kept reading Harry Potter. You probably feel the same about the scriptures. Not that you or I are perfect or anybody's perfect in reading their scriptures, but how do you get somebody on the way to that feeling? Yeah. So there, I think there's many, many different motivators to read the scriptures. The greatest motivator that I've found isn't to, read the scriptures for the story that they hold, although that can be a motivator and it is interesting. Um, but to somebody who isn't motivated to, to read the scriptures, but has that desire um, and, and wants to do that because they know that they should and they know that that's right. Um, I would say, look for, for something in your life. Look for a question that's presented itself in your life, whether that be a coworker asking you, you know, why don't you drink caffeine, which you, you can have an interesting conversation. There's been a million different conversations about, you know, quote, why Mormons don't drink caffeine, um, which can, you know, divulge into the actual truth of the word of wisdom. But um, there, there's many different things. It could be from watching TV shows. I can't tell you how many times I've been watching a show and a, a a character in that show poses a question or does something or, you know, there's this coming of age moment for that character where they realize who they are or, you know, a show that has an interesting creation story or, you know, it, it can be a myriad of things. Look for a question in your life and then find the answer to that question in the scriptures. That I can't think of a more enticing motivator to get into the scriptures than an actual real life question that you have. That reminds me, uh, I was doing some study on the Book of Mormon uh, this past week, and I came across an article on Fair Mormon, which uh, fairmormon.org, which is a wonderful resource for Latter-day Saints. And I just want to read this one line. It, it, I read it, and it, it hit me in a way that uh, I hadn't thought about the Book of Mormon uh, specifically the Book of Mormon in a way, and I think it connects with what you're saying. It says, although the Book of Mormon is sometimes referred to as a history of, that, of, a, uh, of an ancient society, it is really a religious text 
with historical events used to teach and explain religious principles. And the reason I read that is because exactly what you said. The scriptures, the, the best way to get in it is not necessarily to read it like a history book. It's not It's not really like we want to go in and learn the story about Nephi. The story's not about Nephi. It's about the the life, really the life, or rather the gospel lessons that Nephi's trying to teach. Was that fair? How do you feel about that? Yeah, about, no, about that, that idea? that's right on. Um, and, you know, I joked earlier about my favorite scripture book being the Bible dictionary. Um, <laughs> it really is like that. I remember when my wife and I were in, um, we were in our first ward, we were in an apartment right after being married. Um, and there were two things that happened. One, we were in, uh, gospel principles back when that was a class. And, uh, there were, we were blessed to have some very, very good missionaries, very, you know, miraculous people coming to, to our ward and to our lives that we were able to interact with and, and help answer uh, questions that they had about the gospel. I, I mean, I met some of the, the thirstiest people for the gospel that I've ever met in my life in that ward. <laughs> um, and we'd be sitting there and they would, there would be good questions and there would be bad questions in, in class from most of the good questions came from uh, recent converts or investigators or, or friends or whatever they call them nowadays. Um, and the first thing that I would do is, is I would turn to the Bible dictionary. I would turn to the topical guide in my scriptures or search on my phone by, by topic. Um, and not every time, but lots of times, you know, there wasn't a general consensus in the class and it would turn into a, a discussion, sometimes heated, sometimes not. And then I would just raise my hand and say, Hey, this is what the scriptures say about it. And it, it wasn't any, I didn't do anything special. Like this isn't a story about me. This is a story about how the scriptures were able to answer those, those people's questions, because more often than not, those people would come up to me after class and say, thank you so much for just explaining that in a concise and, you know, straightforward manner. And if we just go to the scriptures and look for the answer there, then it, we're, we're going to find it. You can find more and more details, but the base answer that you need is going to be in the scriptures. Can, uh, that reminds me of another story, and you might have heard it before. Uh, I can't remember. I can't remember if it was a personal story told to me by a friend of mine in Salt Lake when I was serving a full-time mission there, or if it was something that he read in, in church archives or something that I've read. I can't remember, but let me just tell you the idea. And this is a true story and I have to verify it. I'll have to uh, get the, get the source for it. But basically the idea was kind of like your situation in your gospel doctrine class or gospel principles. There uh, was a time that I think it was Spencer W. Kimball. It was either Spencer W. Kimball or Harold B. Lee. And back in the day, they used to have the outgoing missionaries meet with the prophet or a member of the 12 in the upper room of the Salt Lake city temple. Uh-huh. And, uh, before they, you know, I, I can't remember if they had an MTC. They might not have even had an MTC at that time. Either they went to the MTC and then they went to this meeting with the prophet or they just went to the meeting with the prophet. Anyway, the meeting consisted of a, of a Q and a, in other words, Harold B. Lee or, or uh, president Kimball. I wish I knew exactly which one it was, but he gets up and he says, all right, you have two hours with me. Uh, what, what do you want to know? What What do you want to know about the mission? What do you know, want to know about the gospel? And what an awesome opportunity for all those missionaries. Yeah. And basically what it, what ended up happening 
is the missionaries would uh, raise their hands, stand up, and they would ask a question. And every single time, without failure, the prophet at the time, I think it was President Kimball, every single time he would open his scriptures and he would give them answers from the scriptures. And it got to a point where he was trying to teach them a lesson, I think. Mm Mm-hmm. But at the very end, he said, uh, elders and sisters, I hope you realize that all of the questions you are asking, and basically every question there is in some way, you will find in the scriptures. And what a valuable lesson, especially for a newly called missionary, to have the realization that, whoa, every question I have for the prophet can be found in the scriptures. In other words... I don't necessarily need to be in a room with the prophet to find these marvelous answers. Yeah, he knows where they are, so it makes it really easy and quick. But I can go home. I can go to my missionary apartment. I can go with my family. And I can have the same awesome, because I'm sure it was an awesome experience for them. I can have the same experience that I had with the prophet in my own home or apartment or investigator's house or anywhere Anywhere, because yeah. the the truths are found in the scriptures, and anyway, yeah. I think I'll have to find in. No, that that's an interesting story. And before you even finished it, the my thoughts started racing, and and I was just thinking, how many times do we wish that we could have an experience like that, or we could, you know, meet Nephi and ask him questions, or have you ever prayed to see Lehi's vision of the tree of life, or just like be able to have these exact same experiences that that these people had and it it comes down to that same answer. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to have a prophet at your beck and call to, to receive these answers. And all those answers are in the scriptures. And, and perhaps even more important than that, it's not that the answer itself is written verbatim in the book of Nephi or wherever in the scriptures, right? It almost never is. It almost is more about the principles. Maybe. And sometimes, I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but sometimes you're reading the scriptures or you're praying or whatever, and and you read a verse, and then the thought enters your mind that has nothing to do with that. Mm-hmm. And you receive the answer to a question that you had that has nothing to do with Lehi's vision of the tree of life or the Gideon robbers or, you know, the sons of Mosiah preaching to the Lamanites. Like, it has nothing to do with that. It's just that God answered your question because... Either you were being obedient or you were, you know, open and receptive to the spirit, which aren't necessarily different. But, um, you know, it's it's an amazing thing how much we can get out of the scriptures when we're accompanied by the spirit. Hundred percent. What an awesome we what an awesome an awesome tangent that we could continue to go on. With that being said, is there anything else? Uh, kind of in maybe in conclusion, I want to make sure that I give you an opportunity to maybe share what you have prepared or what you've thought about. Is there any other way uh, on this umbrella topic of understanding truth? Is there any other thoughts that you uh, that you have for us? Yeah. So one of the biggest things that I've been thinking about in conjunction with truth is uh, my my own personal, I guess, station in life. So. I guess I didn't divulge this at the beginning of this uh, this interview, but I, I'm 26 years old. Um, I'm a millennial. I hate being labeled as a millennial. Um, <laughs> and I, I think there's 
lots of uh, stereotypes of millennials that uh, that are out there, um, and that's one reason that I that I dislike being labeled as one. Um, typically, we're we're thought of as as lazy, not hard workers, entitled. Um, and one of the other things that uh, is frustrating for me, and we kind of talked about this one uh, a little bit earlier, but is how many um, millennials and, and other young people that are out there that are declaring their own truth, right? They come and, and, and they declare their own truth and therefore everyone must respect it and it, it, is, it is thought of as the truth, uh, at least in their minds. And that, that's a concept that is, has frustrated me, honestly, up until this week. Um, it's been extremely frustrating for me. Um, just, just to hear people talk about that. I'm like, no, that's not how it works. Like I, I love rules. I love talk to anybody that I play tabletop games with or card games with. I am a stickler for the rules and I, I hate it when people break them. And so when, when I hear these people come out on YouTube or on the news or on Facebook or wherever and declare their truth, I kind of, you know, set it aside, um, as nonsense, honestly. And that, and that's bad on my part. And, Hopefully I can uh, change my mindset on that. And I'm beginning to, but as I was studying this, I, I identified that, um, you know, there might be something to that. There are definitely, and I, I think you and I can agree that there are universal truths. Um, can we agree on that? Absolutely. Yeah. I, absolute or universal truths that are, that cannot change no matter what we say or do. Exactly. And, and a lot of those, are what God uses to direct and govern us and do literally everything that he does. Um, but as I thought more about this, um, I realized that there are personal truths. You can have your truth. Um, and as I was thinking about this, let me, let me just walk you through my mind, my, my thought process for, for just a second. Um, one of the things that I, love about this church and that I don't know that I really understood this until I got on my mission is that the gospel and our religion, one of the fundamentals of that gospel, I have to be careful about how I say this because it can be taken way, way out of context, but God and the prophets and the book of Mormon literally invite us to question everything. It's right there in the promise of the Book of Mormon in, in Moroni 10. After you've read this book, after you've received some truth from this book, I want you to kneel down and I want you to pray and question God and say, God, is this true? And that we've been, I've been taught anyway, multiple times by literally everybody, that we can do that with each and every principle and doctrine of the gospel, and that we should. We shouldn't rely on other people stating truth, that we should instead gain our own, um, our own testimony, right? Absolutely. And so, like I said, we have to be careful with that because we can't just completely throw everything out the window that we don't, that we don't have a personal testimony on. We still have to act on faith. We still have to adhere to the commandments and the principles of God. But along with that, we are gaining our own truth. And it's important as we do that, that we have a baseline. Um, 
to compare that truth to. And I think that baseline would be those universal truths, would be the the gospel as, as we know it, the commandments, things like that. Um, if our truth is going against the things that have been have been taught in the scriptures by the prophets, um, then that's a pretty good indicator that perhaps that truth isn't coming from the actual source of all light and knowledge. So our, if, um, if we're looking to discover our truth, it has to align or at least not contradict the universal truth as taught by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Is that right? Yes. And I, and I think the second definition you gave is, is perhaps more accurate, not contradict because so for example, and this is a lame example, but recently we've moved up to Utah and as cheesy as it sounds, we felt prompted to move up here. Um, neither me or my wife ever, thought of or even wanted to move to Utah. We always made fun of Utah and people from it. We had no interest whatsoever in moving up here to the cold to, you know, experience snow on our doorstep. Who would ever want to do that when you lived in the glorious oasis of Mesa, Arizona? Um, (laughs) But nonetheless, we felt like we should move up here and through literally a ton of prayer and fasting and preparation, all the stones fell into place to move up here. We felt that it was right. It was truly a spiritual experience to pack up our house and buy a new one up here and, and move, um, which I never, ever thought that I would say. But in, con- in the context of this uh, conversation, one of my truths that I feel came from God was that I am supposed to be literally in this house with my family exactly where I am right now. But... If I go out and start declaring that, you know, this is the truth from God, everybody should follow it. First off, it's not even logistically possible because I felt directed to this home specifically. So the whole entire way. Are are you saying that I can't move in with you? Is that what you're saying? No, you're not invited. You can visit maybe (laughs) if if you ask like three months in advance, but. (laughs) Three months. um, (laughs) But. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I feel like this was personal revelation that, that me and my wife were able to receive for our family, and we followed it. It doesn't necessarily adhere to any universal truth besides you should listen and obey God when he speaks to you. Mm-hmm. But it has nothing to do with any of the commandments, any of the direction that's been given by the prophets as far as I, you know, I understand it. It's just where we're supposed to be. But if I try to tell you, Hayden, hey, you need to move up to Utah because this is the promised land and it's where all the saints are and, you know, whatever, this is where God said you should be, that's overstepping my bounds of of personal revelation of light and knowledge that I've received. Does that make sense? No, 100% it does. And what it sounds like to me is what we're really talking about is a topic that President Nelson has been harping on for the past couple of years, which is learning to receive personal revelation. Is that fair to yeah. say? Yeah. I mean, I don't know that I learned to, I, I don't know. Don't ask me to tell people how to learn how to receive personal revelation. I don't have an answer for that one. <laughs> well, that was my <laughs> next question is, is, <laughs> is what do you, what do you tell somebody who is listening to this conversation and saying, well, I've never felt like God has talked to me. I've never felt like I've learned a truth from me. I've, I've never had some manifestation of the spirit. Tell me what I should be doing. So what, 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 how, how do you, how do you get someone started 
and and maybe just tell us your experience. How did you get started in learning to uh, discover your truth, if you will? Um, well, short answer, uh, I would quote um, one of the senior missionaries from my mission who was then my bishop um, in my last ward that we were in. Oh, wow. I'm trying to remember exactly what he would say, but... But basically, he would say, be careful what you ask for from God, because he's probably going to give it to you. Mm. And in conjunction with that, one thing that I have strongly felt for the past probably 10 years is that if you ask God what you should do to better yourself, he's, he's going to answer you. And you, you have to be careful when you ask that, because he will answer you. And then if you don't do anything with it, then, well that's your fault. It's not God's fault. He's telling you what you should do. Um, but that, that reminds me of a, a, a general conference talk given within the past five years. Probably. I can't remember if it was, I can't remember. I'll have to, look, I'll have to put it in the, in the description of this, but basically it was a 70 who talked about the idea that you're, that you're saying. And he said that there were one time there was a story of this lady who, was asking God, you know, just in her mind or maybe in frustration, like, God, like, why, why am I having all of these troubles? And she got a prompting that said, uh, you're having all these troubles because you complain too much. And, <laughs> and she was, I remember that story. Yeah. yeah, I have to find it, but, uh, she wasn't expecting, but, but it's exactly what you're saying. If you ask God sincerely and maybe it even wasn't frustration, but he'll tell you what you need to do. And I think another story was, you know, the same question, God, why, why, you know, another person, why is my life going this way? And he said, well, you need to uh, go clean your room. Your house is a mess. How yeah. can my spirit dwell in your room when uh, it's a fiasco in there? So anyway, that, that's kind of connected to what maybe you're saying. Yeah, no, 100%. And so I guess to, to answer your question, it's kind of difficult. Personal revelation is a, is a difficult thing to give advice on, right? because it's, it's personal. And unless you know the person that you're talking to or um, have some type of relationship with them, then it can be hard to just give a blanket statement um, for that. But I, I mean, I would just turn back to the scriptures. I would, if you're really concerned about receiving personal revelation, um, in my mind, there's one or there, there's two answers. One, you're receiving it and you're just not recognizing it. So either look harder or fall into the second answer, which would be to study revelation, specifically perfect personal revelation from the scriptures, just to increase your knowledge of, of how it works. Um, and more than likely, as you're researching that, you're going to find that to receive that revelation from our Heavenly Father, you have to be worthy to receive it, doing the right things, being in the right places, creating an environment to, to receive that. And, and more than likely you're going to have to, to make some life changes. Um, and that's just, that's how it is. And then it's up to you if you're willing or not to, to make those life changes. Honestly, the word that comes to mind when you say that is the word repentance, right? We're all there, right? If we want to change and become better, that's what repentance turning towards the savior and leaving past, leaving behind actions or thoughts or words that are not in harmony with his will, with his gospel. Garrett, you and yeah. I could talk and we have talked for uh, hours and hours and hours at a time, but in conclusion, can I just give you an opportunity to uh, 
bear testimony of, of the gospel or of this topic or wherever you want to take it. What what's your your feeling if you had to reach deep down into your heart? What would you uh, what would you close with on this topic? The words of I believe Elder Holland come to mind that we need to uh, it's either trust our faith before we no it's what is it we need to doubt our doubts before we doubt our faith. Yeah, um, President Uchtdorf. President Uchtdorf, yeah, thank you. Um, you know, but that, that's the biggest thing that, that sticks out to me. And and it's honestly what I, I try and do every day because I'm not perfect by any means. I'm not the perfect scriptorian, the perfect, uh, studier of, of the gospel, even though I might've tried to convince you of that over the past 30 minutes or so. Um, I'm not perfect by any means. And when troubles arise, when, when times get tough, it's important to be able to look back and remember those spiritual experiences that you've had, whether it was yesterday or this morning during scripture study or 10 years ago when you were in, in priestcorn and gaining your first testimony of the Book of Mormon. It's important to be able to, to remember those stepping stones of faith that you've had in your life. And it's my testimony that if we do trust our faith, if we trust in the Lord with all of our heart and uh, just don't look back, then things will go well for us. God will take care of us because he is interested in our personal lives, whether that is your high school drama that's going on, whether that is your midlife crisis that's going on, whatever, whatever is going on in your life, even if you're having a great time in your life, God wants to know about it from you personally, and he cares about it. And so if we'll trust in him with all of our heart and forget what all the other voices in the world are saying, then things will be okay for us. What a productive conversation, Garrett. Thank you so much for being on and teaching us something about the gospel today. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity, Hayden. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider sharing with a friend, and we'll catch you next time on the Faithful Perspective Podcast.